The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for those who are here. Thank you for those who are joining us online. Um, Listen, I want to take a quick moment, though, before we actually do get into uh, the Word, to share a little bit of an update with you about our location. Uh, for those, if you receive the weekly, uh, most likely you, you had already read a letter that our elders uh, released uh, this week. Um, if you haven't received the weekly... Uh, I need to fix that for you. Uh, what the weekly is, is we, re- we send one email a week that just kind of gets you, uh, keeps us all caught up on, on what's going on at our church and all the important things that we're, that we're doing as a church, keep you connected. Um, and we send it out every Thursday morning, that's it. Uh, we haven't sold anyone's information. We don't plan on it, so uh, we keep that... Only for this email. Um, and so if you're not connected to the weekly, we invite you to get connected. You can, um, it's easy. You can go to stoneoakbible.com slash weekly. You can sign up um, or just see any of us. We'd love to get you connected. Um, but from last week's weekly, as, you, as some of you know, um, this is not our normal location. Uh, this is not our, our normal location. Now, I want to say this right up front. We are so grateful for Living Rock. I, I'm telling you, I'm so grateful for this place. Uh, during the pandemic, in a time that big gatherings aren't allowed, um, finding a place to gather big is difficult. And, and Living Rock, we are so grateful for this opportunity that God has provided, and, and we, are, we are grateful. Um, but our normal meeting location uh, before uh, COVID-19 has, has been at Bush Middle School, which is uh, a little more south in the Stone Oak area of our city. Uh, Bush Middle School is a part of NEISD, Northeast Independent School District. And um, at this point, the NEISD is closed to any uh, outside rentals of their facilities. And uh, more than that, we believe and we have reason to believe that they will remain closed for the foreseeable future. Um, which, by the way, pause button here, now is the time, church, to pray for church planting in our city. Uh, I don't know if you, if you know this, but um, when you're planting a church, um, Finding a place is, is difficult, and schools are so often where, where churches are planted in our city. And, and right now, I don't know if you know this about our church, but we are a church deeply committed to planting churches. We are a church planting church, and right now, my heart goes out um, for the church plants who are meeting in these campuses who have not yet found a place to gather. We as a church need to be in prayer for these plants, that God would use this situation, not only to just get them through, but would use this situation to further the gospel in our community. I believe he will. So we need to be in prayer for, for our churches and our, in our city. Um, 
But knowing where we are, knowing all of that, church, uh, I wanted to keep you in the loop on just two things. One is we have officially signed a contract with Living Rock through the end of or through October. Uh, so, so that means that, that we're going to be here, and there's a, there's a possibility that we'll continue to be here through the end of the year. Uh, obviously, we don't know, uh, but right now, there's a possibility, and we're grateful for Living Rock for even allowing us to have that possibility. At the same time, I also want to let you guys know, we are currently pursuing actively a more permanent long-term solution for our church gathering space. Um, whether it be a storefront, a standalone uh, building, whether it be something creative on our church property, whatever it might be, we are looking right now that God would lead. And, and by the way, we are confident that God is going to be faithful and lead us in this. So I wanted to give you this update so that you kind of have a, a bearing on where we're headed. And if you have any questions please let us know. We're here to answer it. We want to help. So let us know if we can help in any way. And I think that is enough time spent on that. We have a lot to get to. So let's jump into God's word this morning. Um, If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open with me to Romans 5. And once you get there, I want you to then flip backwards to Romans chapter four. And let me tell you why, all right? Um, Here at Stone Oak, we have a preaching calendar. And uh, uh, what that is, is is each year our elders spend so much time in prayer for where we are going to be headed as a church in the Word of God, where, what texts we're going to be covering on certain weekends, and and we have this preaching calendar that lays it all out, right? how many know that COVID changed things? <laughs> yeah, a little bit for some of you. Well, um, here's what happened. Back at the start of the COVID pandemic, things were crazy. Like we went through a couple weeks where no one knew what was happening. What are we even dealing with? Um, it was just so much uncertainty. And um, in the midst of that uncertainty, we felt the need to call a bit of an audible And so at the beginning of the pandemic, what we did is we paused Romans and we shifted early into the book of Psalms because we felt as a church, the Psalms were a wonderful place for us to have honest wrestlings with God in times of uncertainty and the beginning of lockdown, all right? So we shifted into into, Psalms. Now here's what that meant. We stopped our journey after... Or at Romans 4 instead of getting through Romans 4. And um, we caught this a couple weeks ago and we started praying, what are we going to do here? Here's the deal. We could have pressed on and, and just not have said a thing. We could have kept going and, and just stuck with our plan. We could have kept going knowing that honestly we started chapter 5. Why go back and cause all this confusion? We could have kept going. We couldn't do that. Um, Here's the reality. COVID is not going to take chapter four from our church. So, um, like I said last week, Romans just builds on, and this is so foundational. And uh, as a church, by the way, we submit ourselves to this. This is our authority. This is our this is our this is the truth. This is the the thing that guides us. And, And so we can't let COVID take a chapter of this away. So with joy. 
we now turn backwards just a little bit, one page, that's it, to Romans chapter four. So let's buckle up, let's get to work here in Romans chapter four. Um, Getting into this, I love Paul's style in the book of Romans. He's a little snippy, it's my word. He's a little snippy. What he does is he asks these rhetorical questions and then he gives emphatic answers. What this looks like is is he, he so often... He will ask the question that we have boiling up in our minds. He'll just say it and then say, stop it. By no means. He'll say something emphatic to kind of cut you off. He does this all throughout the book of Romans. He's a little snippy. Um, And he says, you know, I know what you might be thinking. Stop it. That's what, that's what Paul does. And so we see a classic example of this in, in chapter three to get us caught up. Um, I'll paraphrase this. He said, Paul says, look, it is God who justifies. He justifies the circumcised, those who are in the law, the Jewish, and he justifies the uncircumcised, those who are not given the Torah and the Gentiles. Paul is clear whether you're Jew or Gentile, it is God who justifies by faith. So then Paul asks the rhetorical question that's on our, on our minds. Well, since it's all about God justifying, then what on earth do we do with all these laws? Hey, why do they matter? Why do we, can't we just ignore them? And, and Paul, in his amazing, snippy, my word, style, uh, says, by no means, emphatically, by no means. Um, Instead, he says, we uphold it. So building on this argument now, the, the first verse of chapter four, we get to kind of build because Paul is going to ask another question. Paul is going to start us off here with a question. I just want to be clear, that highlights one of the most deadly aspects of fallen human uh, nature. Um, He's going to ask a question that I believe brings out the worst in our human tendency. Uh, Here's the reality, just to set this all up. We love to earn things, or at least to feel like we did. We love that. Um, We like to do things that just set ourselves, differentiate us from others. We like to do things that, that set ourselves apart and maybe take a little bit of the credit. And in many ways, this is why the gospel was and is and will be offensive to so many. And Paul is going to get right here and expose, just get right into it and expose something here. Listen to this. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? In other words, what specifically was gained by Abraham and all his works and his obedience and what he did? What specifically was gained by what he did in his power according to the flesh? Then Paul builds on it, verse two. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. This is a direct quote from Genesis 15, 6. Paul reminds them, look, Abraham was chosen by God, counted by God to be righteous. He was called a friend by, uh, by God. And it wasn't because of any good or any good that he did or any righteousness that he had, but because his faith in Yahweh. 
Now, I want us to pause here for a moment. Um, Before we are quick to judge the Jewish people, uh, I want us to the best that we can possibly do to kind of place ourselves in their shoes, just a bit. For the Jewish people, the chosen people of God, they had been given the laws of God. So just follow me here. They'd been given the laws. They had been... They had been completely shaped by all of these customs and these rituals that they, had been, that they had been given. They were circumcised. They offered these costly sacrifices. They denied themselves of certain food. They, they obeyed laws that all the Gentiles around them didn't care. Right? That was them. They lived their lives in such a distinguished way. They lived under the law while, while the people around them didn't. Didn't. And you might hear that and say, well, yeah, but they didn't do it perfectly. And you are right. But don't miss the fact that they did 100% more than the people around them did. Okay? They might... Imagine if you and your family... Okay, let's make this personal here. Imagine you and your family. You lived under strict standards, under higher values than all the community around you. Imagine with me if you denied yourself while everyone else was indulging. Imagine with me if you were spending your time and your resources differently from everyone else around you. And after all of that, after all of your work, after all of living under these standards and these different rules, that God himself has given you. Paul then says, hey, if you were justified by works, you'd have something to boast about, but you don't. After all of this, if he says, you know what? Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham, the father in in the faith, was not justified by any of that stuff. And if he wasn't justified by any of that stuff, neither are you. Neither are you. This would have been really tough to hear for so many. And I want to I continue to kind of bring us into their shoes a little bit because we might not have Jewish laws that we're wrestling with as a church here at Stone Oak Bible Church. We might not be wrestling with circumcision, uncircumcision, bacon, not bacon. We might not be wrestling. That might not be our thing that we're wrestling with right now. But our battle is still the same. I'm a good person. I go to church. I even financially give to the church. I'm in a community group. I serve the church. I even go on mission trips. Like, I'm a good person in the community. I volunteer. None of these other, I volunteer. So some might say, you know, I didn't even buy the biggest house that I could afford just so I could spend my time and my resources differently. Others might say, well, we did buy the big house so that we could give it away to people who need a room to sleep and host community groups. And I'm a good person. I don't cheat or steal or lie, at least not as much as the people I work with. I'm faithful to my spouse. I don't do what all my coworkers do. I deny myself so often when everyone else is just going and indulging themselves. I'm a good person. Here's the heart of Paul's question. 
all of that, it has to count for something, right? has to count for something, right? I mean, all of that, after all of that, God has to somehow be more pleased with me, right? I mean, I'm not as bad as those other people. I mean, come on, pastor, right now I'm sitting in a church service where I'm actively logged in watching right now. None of them are. This has to count for something, If Abraham was justified by works, he'd had something to boast about, but he doesn't, not before our God, because Abraham was justified by faith, it was counted to him as righteousness. Let's make this verse just a little bit more personal. If you were justified by your works, you would have something to boast about, but you don't get that because not before your God. You, church, believed in God and through faith in God, your faith is counted to you as righteousness. Let's say this as clearly as possible. You are saved by grace through faith. There is no other way for you to please your God. Your church attendance will not do it. Your volunteering in your community will not do it. Sharing the gospel and doing gospel work, that won't do it. Uh, Giving to your church or being generous with others, that will not do it. Your heart for the poor and oppressed and all of the activism that we could muster will not do it. It is not baptism, it is not communion, it is not being part of one political party over another. None of that will do it because it is not your works. Isaiah 64, six says that all of that, all of your deeds apart from faith are like polluted, like a polluted garment. Some of your translations might say filthy rags. If you were to be justified by your works, you'd have something to boast about, but you don't. But, but you don't, Paul is clear, that now we get to set are polluted garments. We get to take them and set them down and put on the righteousness of Christ. In fact, I want us to continue. Verse four, oh, that we would grasp this. Verse four, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. In the flesh, as I said earlier, we like to feel like we have earned what we get. We like to take the grace of God. This is crazy, right? Take the grace of God and then tell ourselves and tell others why we've earned it. Tell us all the ways that we have earned it. I want you to imagine just an example of this. It's kind of absurd. Imagine if you, out of the goodness and kindness of your heart, were to give me a gift, a big one, just out of nowhere, just give me this gift, and um, when you give it to me, to your surprise, I then start working to have earned that gift. So, so you know, 
one night you, you see movement outside and you come out and you see me just randomly washing your car or at seven in the morning you hear a lawnmower and you peek out and you see me mowing your yard and you say, what are you doing? And I say, well, I have to, I have to earn that gift you gave me. I have to do something to, to earn that gift that you gave me. And, and you, 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 I then go on to tell you the full plan that I have to pay that gift back in full. The, just the full plan. How many would be confused? I would, if I were you, I would be very confused. Like, stop it, pastor. That's not why we, that's not why we gave you this gift. That's, stop it. You totally missed the idea of a gift. You're treating this gift like it were a paycheck or a wage or a debt. It's not a wage. It's not a paycheck. It's not a debt. It's a gift. So stop it. Stop it. When we treat a gift like a wage or a debt, we not only miss the point of a gift at all, we, we, we in some ways probably take a lot of the joy out of that gift as well. <laughs> it, it's, it, most likely you would say something like, Justin, stop it. This is not why we gave you this gift. This analogy falls flat, by the way, because what we do to God is so much more profoundly bigger than this ridiculous analogy. Um, Far more ridiculous, because God has given us something of such great value that no amount of work can even come close to earning its value, not even close. It's like if you slip me a, it's not even like this, this is gonna fall short too, but it's like if you slip me an envelope that has three trillion dollars in it, And I say, you know what? I'm going to earn this back by mowing your yard. That's absurd. You can't mow my yard enough to even get close to this. It's it's absurd, so stop it. The the truth is that, that his gift is so profoundly and eternally big that any attempt of trying to earn it falls profoundly and eternally short. Just... Oh, you do not, I'll put it this way, you do not want what you earned. You do not want what you earned. His gift is far, be, is far better. So let's not treat God's grace, his gift, as though it were a wage. If you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to hear this. Um, earned grace is not grace. Earned grace ceases to be grace. It cannot be grace. Grace is not and cannot be earned. A wage is earned. Grace is not. Earned grace is not grace. It is a wage. And scripture is clear. If God were to give you your fair wage, it would be death and hell. In my view, Romans says this more clearly than any other book. In in chapter three, it says, no one, not one, is righteous. And in chapter three later, it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin, the wages of your work, is death. But praise God, he has not given me my right wage. Praise God, he has not given me what I deserve. Because if I fought for that, it would be death. God being rich in mercy, he sent Christ who took the wages 
of our sin and who gave us the gift of his grace. This is the gospel. The way to please God, the way to be justified before God is not to work for it, it is to acknowledge your sin and your brokenness and to not try to dress them up. It's not like, if you think about that Isaiah text, it's not like we need to take our polluted garments, clean them up and bring them and say, look at me, I look great. No, what we have to do is to take them and lay them down. Not to dress ourselves up. It's, it's you can't save yourself if you're trusting in yourself or anything you have done. The gospel is not, it is not do. It is also not, you can do it with God's help. That is not the gospel. No, the gospel is, is done through Christ, so it's no longer do, 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 do. The gospel is now that we get to be. We get to be. We get to rest in being in Christ. Work-based salvation is not the gospel. It is counter, anti-gospel. It is a false gospel. In fact, the, the truth of salvation by grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone, the truth of salvation by grace through faith is the distinguishing mark of Christianity. I've heard many people say that all religions are basically the same. They are not. Other religions seek to tell us how we can get to God. How we can, what to do, what not to do to get to God, to become like God, or in some cases to become God. Christianity is not like that. Christianity instead says, You will never get to God. You can never be good enough. You can never get to God. You will always fall short. So your God came to you. So your God came to you, put on flesh, dwelt among you, lived the perfect life that you could not live, and died the death that was yours, giving you all the perfection all of his righteousness and, and taking all the wages of your work. And all of this, all of this is by the grace of God which we receive through faith. All of it. This was the plan of God from the very beginning. This is not a new plan or a New Testament plan. Our text is so clear. This is the plan through the Old Testament. We talked about Abraham. We're about to look at David through the New Testament to us today as the church. Only our God could do this and only the gospel is this good. After the fall of Genesis 3, the only way for fallen humanity to be saved from our sin is by the grace of God through faith. This is the plan of God because of his great unfailing love for us. Paul has already pointed to Abraham. Now, let's shift and let's look at the words of David. By the way, as we read this, I think there are some places in scripture where the author just kind of, again, this is my word, but geeks out a little bit of how good God is. And it's just like he's just in full-blown geek out mode. I get a sense that's what we're stepping into here. Um, Paul says this, 
just as David also speaks of the blessing to the one who, whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Listen to this. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord does not count his sin. This is the gospel of grace. I want us to notice what this verse does not say. It is not blessed are the ones who clean up all their lawless deeds. It is not blessed are the ones who are better in comparison to the ones around them. It is not blessed are the ones who do not sin. It is not blessed are the ones who do not have any sin to count or even have less sin to count. It's not that. It's blessed are the, is the one who is forgiven, the one whose sin is covered, the one who the Lord does not count his sin. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of the gospel. And I want to share a quote with us as we kind of begin to close this morning. This comes from Robert Thune. Um, I think this is something that we should probably preach to ourselves each and every day. I think it's something that just sums this up really, really well, all right? I want you to listen to this. Thune says this, cheer up, you're worse than you think. That'll preach. Your failures and flaws are deeper than you know. Your capacity for servant leadership is smaller than you can imagine. Your selfishness is stronger than you've realized. But cheer up. The gospel is far greater than you can imagine. God is not constrained by your limitations. God uses the weak, the flawed, the powerless. God loves to pour out his spirit on humble leaders who acknowledge their need. This is so good. And I want to give us a little bit of an action step as we, as we close today. Here it is. I'd like for you to take the mantra right here. I'd like for you to take this mantra and I want you to maybe put it on a post-it maybe, like stick it on a, on a mirror, although in COVID times we weren't getting ready on a mirror, so maybe not a mirror. Put it on the sink or put it on your dashboard if you're driving somewhere. Put it on the, the computer screen, like right there off to the side. Somewhere where you're gonna see this thing, somewhere where you can see this truth and be reminded of this truth. Cheer up, you're worse than you think, but cheer up, the gospel is far greater than you can imagine. That sums it up. Cheer up, you're worse than you think. Your garments are more polluted than you can ever imagine. But cheer up, the gospel is far greater than you can possibly imagine. And how is that true? It's because we are saved by grace alone through faith alone. To say this in a different way, you are in fact saved by a work. It's just not your work. 
It's the completed work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. You are, you are saved by the faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ. So here's the reality. Whether you are young or not so young, whether you are new to the faith or more mature in the faith or unsure where you are in the faith, Whoever you are, wherever you are on your journey, the call for us is the same. It's to respond to the gospel. Respond to what Jesus Christ has done. And I want to encourage you, no matter where you are, to not rush out, but to take a moment to respond to respond to the completed work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Church, would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. And, and to say that, just, we can't thank, we can't possibly even express adequately our gratitude for what you have done, what you have accomplished. We can't do it, we fall short it's too wonderful, it's too big, it's too beautiful for us to even take in. But this morning, we try. God, we, um, we thank you that your plan has been from the very beginning to send a rescuer for us. I pray that you would forgive us in our self-righteousness when we think we don't need that. Too often when we hear the good news about salvation, we, we can say, salvation from what? I think I'm doing a good job. And I pray that you would forgive us for that pride. And maybe perhaps before we can even begin to respond to the good news, for many of us, I think the first step is for us to acknowledge our sin, our brokenness, that we are far worse than we could ever imagine, that we are not good people who occasionally do bad things, that we are not good people who just need to learn how to be better but that we are completely and fully broken people who need to be put back together by Jesus Christ. That we are complete sinners in need of grace. God, would you help us to realize that today? But thanks be to God that you did not leave us there. And so in this moment, as we, re we recognize and we acknowledge our own sin, we also pray that you now begin to just pour the gospel over our hearts and our minds that let us know the good news is far greater than we could ever imagine. That we don't need to try harder. We need to bring ourselves just as we are, as broken as we are, to the foot of the cross because all was accomplished. 
through the work of Jesus Christ. So Lord, in this moment, we respond. We respond to what you have done and we acknowledge how deep, profoundly deep your love is for us this morning. And we continue in our worship in Jesus' name.